Welcome to Maz Garage with Smokey, Crick, and Kev. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about roles and responsibilities. And what I want to know a little bit more about are how do responsibilities dictate roles? How much choice do we have over the roles that we are chosen to be responsible for? And what should you put on them? Like honey, jam, butter, or some combination of the two? On this episode, we're going to find wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. Butter, jam. You guys said we're doing an episode on rules. What kind of rules? What? what kind of rules are you thinking? Dinner rules? Kaiser rules? Like, well, what kind of rules are you guys talking about then? I was thinking more like the rules and like the responsibilities of like, of like roles like duties that that you have that you have to do oh the life variety okay well then i can say my question would be what are you if you don't have any of those roles who are you without a role so my so my mindset behind a role is a responsibility i believe that when you are in a role you have certain responsibilities and those certain responsibilities are your duties. That's what you need to do. So when you're in a supervisor role, when you're in a entry-level role, when you're in a chief executive role, you have specific responsibilities, stuff that's detailed, stuff that's outlined to you so that you know how to handle that role and what you need to do to handle that responsibility. Who dictates what, do do? What, what roles go, what responsibilities pair up with those roles? And that's the, that's the what question. What do you do? It, I guess it really What do you comes... do when those roles aren't defined or those responsibilities aren't defined either? Very see, well. The, see, I would hope, and I, I guess that's really the question, you know? Like, if these ro- like, if you're in a position and the, the responsibilities are never really outlined to you, who that's a good like who does dictate your role and who does dictate what you do if they're never outlined to you if they're never explained to you then it's kind of just your perception of what you need to do with that of of that role so it's kind of like you dictate how you handle that role but then if you don't dictate the role properly as opposed like the way that it would have been dictated as like someone that actually dictates or someone that controls or someone that actually has input on how you handle like what the role is that you have agreed to then it's not on the person to to, to basically figure these things out for themselves they're not training themselves they're not setting themselves up for success or failure they're leveraging the assistance given to them to be at least set up for success and then it's up to them to handle it to actually be successful that's where i think it's a balance for roles on roles that are given to you and roles that you choose to take on because there are certain roles that are just kind of dropped in your lap you know and it's one thing if it's your actions that cause that role like you know you impregnate someone and you become a father that's a role that your actions cause but you know sometimes roles are just put on us by people because they see something in us or they see potential and they see these different things in us. And that's when it can become unfair because it's, they're asking something of you that, like you said, you either don't fully understand the full role and its responsibilities, or it just hasn't been clarified to you. 
and the reasoning behind it is usually the most unclear in those situations. Like, oh, you're the youngest. Right. You know? that's, a, that's, a, that's a good idea. That's a good point. Cause that's the same thing with being tall. That's a rule. If you're the tall person oh my gosh, in the group, you're yeah, getting everything no from the kidding. top shelf. You're doing all the tall stuff. <laughs> yep. Like that's you, you know what I mean? And it's like, that's a role that you didn't ask for. You didn't pick to be tall. You didn't wear tall shoes. You're just tall. So you're going to do all the tall stuff. Mm-hmm. And it comes to a point where so you guess, just expect it. I guess it is fair to say you are born into some roles in that sense then, aren't you? Yeah. When you, when you have aspects, fair, aspects to your body. Well, at the same time though, I guess you have to think about like when a baby is born, like, is it just expected or like, is it just like been decided? Like this baby has been born and this baby's going to grow to be like seven feet. This grow, this baby's going to grow to be like five feet, seven inches. This baby's going to grow to be six foot one or two inches. They can do that with DNA mapping now. They that I can I can believe that in terms of like DNA mapping that they could predict something to a degree, but at the same time you have to think about like what affects that baby in terms of the culture that it was brought up in. Like that's true. Like especially how far can you, you predict the science and what what happens as that baby's growing that can change that already pre-made decision, right? Like. Right. I broke my leg and it's an inch and a half longer than the other, because when you break something, your body feeds it nutrients to make it longer. So exactly. And another thing I was, another thing I'm more thinking about, I think about like parents of today, like not all of them, but what some of them could be doing, what some of them already have been doing in terms of their children, grooming them to be the future athletes of tomorrow where and i think it it came out recently that um dk metcalf a wide receiver for the seattle seahawks he said that at a very early age he was basically like taught by his dad to lift heavy weights and he had just kind of it was ingrained in his brain to do that at such a young age that he can continue to do that through his through his childhood years through growing up and that's how when he went to college and now he's playing in the nfl and he's extremely strong like he's a very strong person and he's very toned like obviously he's taken on like the nfl regiment per se but and then uh, you also i know that there's another child that is under the age of i believe i think this was probably like a handful of years ago he's, i hope he's under the age of 10 still he might be 10 or 11 but this kid was basically like he almost he looked like Barry he looked like a uh, Barry Sanders at the age of 6 where out on the out on the football field for like little league per se and he's just juking out everyone he's like it was for like flag football now that i remember it and like you just you could not get this kid's flag like he was so elusive he knew exactly how to get around you like no matter what you put the ball in his hands he was scoring there was nothing that could stop him and he was at on like younger than the age of 10 so i also think about like some of these athletes and some of their children and how they groom them to essentially kind of be that next person that's going to be like handling the family name per se and how they want them to be able to have the same the same abilities is that fair to put on them you know what i mean like that's the question 
because it's, it, yeah because it's, it's like great you gave him a life because that's what your parents are trying to do they're trying to give you skills so that you can be a productive member of society and have a living but it's you know what if he trained them because he's like either he wanted to be a professional athlete which happens all the time where it's like high school athletes who didn't do anything with it and then like force their kids into these athletic programs and it's like well what if he's great at math and space and science and because he was taught it's oh you have to focus skill, right? all your energy into this one spot because this is what i'm telling that's you is where, valuable and that's where I have to, you that's where listening to them is huge listening yeah. to who oh the child listening the child listening to yeah. the child mm-hmm. find out what they enjoy right if you really want them to find the things that they'll really grow in you got to find the things that they get joy out of that's where I feel you know, like, and even if exactly. it's something you agree on, you can spin it a certain way. You can show a different avenue of something. That's where you have to, as you get older, I've talked to a lot of people and they, they say kind of the same is you kind of have to deprogram yourself. You have to deprogram yourself from all these different cues and things that you were taught that you have to kind of fall in line with or things that you have to do, but they don't help you in any way. They're almost more of a hindrance now because people taught them for the application that they thought that you would be doing. And it's like, you're living a life that they could never have predicted. So you have to, you know, unlearn all these things and teach yourself the new roles that you've Make actually accepted. Right. Updates. Right. Because it's, it's not fair. Like the reason why it's so important to be in a role that you find important is because the responsibilities that come along with it. Like when you accept a role, Absolutely. Or get put into a role, those responsibilities that go along with it, are the whole point of the role. You know what I mean? Like people look to you. It's like, if you're dressed like a cop, I'm going to expect cop things from you. You know what I mean? Like if you're dressed like a judge, I'm going to expect judge things from you. And it's like the role you say is like, I expect a certain bit of responsibility from you for that. And if you can't do that, you should never accept that role in the first place. Like that's where I keep getting asked to like get into management again. And I'm trying to do so many other things in my personal life where I couldn't give that company the time and energy that it takes to be a manager. So I'm not going to do it. It's not fair to myself and it's not fair to the company. It's not fair to the employees. Like you have to understand the responsibilities of the role you're going to take on before you ever take it on. I agree with that 100%. And especially nowadays, you you see so many people that they talk about like how they're unhappy with their job. They're unhappy with like where they're, where, like where they've, ended up in terms of like decisions that they've made and like where their employment history has essentially landed them per se. At the end of the day, it's all choices that they've, that they've made. It's up to them on how they learn and how they adapt to, to the future, to the future choices that, that they're going to be making. And if you're in a role that you are truly unhappy and you always have that ability to be looking for something else like if something truly makes you unhappy there are other things out there that you can be happy you might go through a period of time where you're not going to be as um sound per se in terms of a foundation because when you're in a role for a consistent period of time you have a consistent foundation and then that's I, i think that's essentially like the, like whenever I'd be talking to my mom about like me switching jobs, like it didn't work out here, but I'm going to be, I'm going to be going into here. It, it didn't work out here. I'm going to be looking at this. I'm going to be looking at that. Her, her advice every time is don't quit a position until you have a new one lined up. So that way, so that way you're not leaving yourself without a foundation. 
So that way you have a consistency. It's unfortunate these days, not every time the employee has the option to dictate whether or not they stay at a company or not, because a company will just randomly get rid of them. Something will happen. They're downsizing, they're downgrading, whatever it is, something that's completely out of that employee's control. So, and that's something that I've learned, especially going through these years. Like I need to be a little bit more diligent. I need to be a little bit more prepared. Relatively speaking, I could go into, I could go into my job yesterday and they could just say it didn't work out. Like we thought the contract was going to stick, but the contract didn't stick. And that's essentially what happened at my, at my previous place and what, what happened at the previous place before that, especially seeing it in this consistency. It makes me more want to definitely want to have a little bit more control. If there's anything that we've been taught over our lifespan, it's how much, how much a company owes us as employees, you know, how much they'll stick by us if they have to pick between themselves for the employees, they'll cut us loose to save themselves. Because yeah, it's I, yeah, how business real, works. How realistically, business there's just there's no such thing as a guarantee. <laughs> there used to be exactly there, there, there used to be a thought that things could be a shoe in, a guaranteed position to a level of having support. That's how you get that guarantee. So it's like unless you get in with the boss's daughter, there's not much of a guarantee. Well, Even if you where, get in with the boss's daughter, you're probably out of there seven out of ten times. That's where some of the issue comes in though, too, because it's like, what if you want to change fields? Like for instance, like what you honed your skills in the field that you're in for so long. And like your mom said, you know, that's what everybody says. You need to set up a second job because you have to pay bills and everything, Mm -hmm. but you're always going to have response. You have responsibilities and you have to adhere to them. But what if you, what have you been told your whole life that you should be focusing on these things, but you're like, I want to try something completely different, something you're not good at because you do have barely Mm -hmm. any experience in it. You've never really done before. But in some way, it brings you joy, but your expertise is in a complete different area. There's a longer learning curve than just being able to jump right into that job. You have to sometimes make no money doing it for a while before you ever get a chance to do it as a profession or do it as like your, your role in society. Which is how it starts anyway, right? You do it because you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially, I mean, to but, think about starting out at like the age of 16, a lot of the people that either you start in fast food or you start in retail, because those are the jobs that you, or, or you're in like multi like something multimedia entertainment, like working at like 15 years old at business. like, a, at like a water park or, and or I, yeah, working yep. for a family business, which I was just my coworkers that like, but like both my coworkers, even my new coworker, they've been in the restaurant business since they were like 12 years old. They were busboys at 12 years old. I'm thinking to myself, like we never had those those opportunities. Like there wasn't a lot of business owners in our area. Like there were don't like there were businesses. So of course there's business owners, but there wasn't a lot of family owned businesses. Right. There were there were family owned businesses. You knew the ones that were, and you could see like how they were able to, but of, of course, like labor laws and stuff. But I mean, at the end of the day, different places are di- different places are different places. I know that like, so, like, and especially like read, like the one, like uh, one of the books that I'm reading about, like, um, like their family business was a roller, like a roller skating rink where they had like an adult hangout spot on top. So like you had like the roller rink on the bottom where like the kids hung out and stuff. And then like the adults and like the, like the teenagers and stuff went up, there was like a video arcade and like a lounge and stuff on like the top level, but it was all family owned. So the, 
the main character of the book is this uh he's like 12 years old and he's running this cash register and he's like in this room full of these like gases and stuff from like spraying down the roller skates and stuff and i just that work ethic my coworkers worth that work ethic the opportunity of people that can start out at that young age you wonder if they get burned out at a point or if it's burned into them at an early point that it's not possible to get burned out that's true there's that's a taught taught characteristic right right giving up being allowed to give up or not being Mm -hmm. allowed yeah because i also think about like what if what like what if you were in a family that you have the family business that you just don't want any part any part of Well, that's the thing is, is like, so family business like that, you are forcing them to be into it. But if there's a family business, or like a family restaurant, that's been going for the last 50, 100 years, the only thing that keeps it consistent is staying in the family. Mm-hmm. As soon as those businesses fall out of the family, they go to crap, they lose their they lose their image and their vision where- and all this value because their parent has taught them that for the last 20 years. Hey, this is how the store is ran. This is how we do things. This, you're going to be me in 20 mm-hmm. years. You know what I mean? And like somewhat, it's not fair, but you wouldn't have that consistency to see over centuries if you didn't do that. That's, that's one of my, like my boss for the pizzeria that I work at, that's his biggest fear with selling the business right now is that he doesn't want to sell it to just anyone because he wants to sell it to someone that's going to continue the family tradition, continue the brick, continue, like continue the, the brick oven process and all the ingredients and everything that have been done for the last 60 plus years that this business has been, has been going. And like something that like, even like I've had thoughts of like what someone could do. Someone could come in, someone could completely demolish the place. As long as you have that recipe, you come up, you come back with like a brand new building, brand new kitchen. You still utilize, you still utilize brick ovens. You get four more. And then you have dining, you have outdoor patio. I mean, like in terms of the property and what the potential, I like that is when, when you're a family business that's been established, it's the people, but it's also the food. The, right. like the, the quality of the food is definitely a factor. And if you have a successful recipe, the recipe is what you, is what will, you will be able to is what is what you'll be is what you'll be able to use to keep yourself going Uh, so he's holding himself responsible for the role that his restaurant holds in society on even a grander scale he's taking responsibility for that and wants to ensure that role for the next generations absolutely because it's a because he learned this recipe from his family and his family developed this recipe through like the research or whatever that they brought over from like the from like wherever they like immigrated from if they immigrate like wherever they got this recipe from this has been the family recipe for 60 plus years and he definitely holds that he feels that he feels the weight of that responsibility and and that's part of the reason why he hasn't sold yet because he's not just looking to sell to sell he's looking to sell to give it a future that was a role that was put on him like that he didn't even ask for it was passed down from his family hey you need to keep this this recipe alive, you need to honor it. And like, so now he's honor bound from that. 
He definitely feels like it. But at this and at the same time, I mean, he's a very knowledgeable person in terms of like because he's done this for so long. I mean, he knows literally everything about the about the business. There's maybe some pieces where because he's not there 100 percent of the time. But like in terms of like owning and knowing how that business works, he knows how that business works. His fountain of downfall knowledge is the fact that he does not utilize a lot of the new technology a hundred percent as much as he could. Like we have a Facebook page, but, but we don't utilize it as much as we could. We definitely, we definitely can. We just don't for whatever, for whatever reason, maybe that's something that we could be doing in the future. I know that it's something that we have, that we have talked about, but I mean, right now we, we have our menu online and we're going to be in the process of like printing new menus because before you ordered a pizza from this place and it came with a menu taped to the box. Like we gave a menu every single, like every single time that we would order from this place, we always got a menu on the box. That's how we always had a menu in the house. We that haven't been doing process, that through COVID right? because we haven't been getting the menus printed. So, but at the same time, we tell people that our menu is online. We do have a we do have a significant amount of older clientele. A lot of them do know at least how to pull up websites, so they know how to go to Google, type in our pizzeria, and pull up the menu, which is which is good. And then we have the younger clientele that they know a hundred they know it a hundred percent. But at the same time, it depends on are they looking for quality or are they looking for quantity? And if they're looking for quantity, they're going to go with Little Caesars. Little Caesars five dollar hot and ready. Boom, bam, bam. And I, and that's kind of, it's, I was having this conversation with, at my, at my work because my, one of my supervisors absolutely loves pizza. So when I told her that I worked at a pizzeria, she's like, oh, which pizzeria? I got to know. And I, <clears throat> we didn't continue the, we didn't, con the conversation got interrupted by like, there was like other conversations that like happened and it just kind of got lost in the wayside or whatever. But we were talking about, um, even at work, like you, you know, you know what the employer, you know how the employer feels about the employee when they don't just opt for the cheap pizza. Like when they actually give a when they, when they actually like give decent money for like the good quality and like the, the fresher ingredients granted, like, like I have nothing bad to say about little Caesars. I eat little Caesars avidly much less now that I've worked at a pizzeria and I understand the difference, but I will still eat little Caesar from time to time. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm one that loves pizza and I'm going to eat pizza. The only pizza that I am just not particular on, I just don't eat it as often, but I'll still eat it because I enjoy pizza and I'm going to eat pizza as long as I can. It's always nice to get that reassurance every once in a while. Yep. Still not a fan. Yeah, no kidding. Especially when I eat these. Uh, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is, what it is about some of these places. Like I've given them so many opportunities, so many tries, and it's just like still just not. And it's probably because I've had over here. There's so many different kinds, so many different like local, uh, commercial, um, just like family owned. Whatever. Everybody's the best, right? And everybody's the best. I wouldn't necessarily everyone, everyone doesn't, I wouldn't say everyone's the best. Everyone knows what they're doing. In a world where pizza is the currency, several pizzeria families fight for supreme control. 
Like they know how they've they, been they, doing they it for as niche. long as, yeah. as they've like it's not the role they, of the community. Like but like, <laughs> like, like, like believe me, like where like where I work option. because we've received like national like recognition for like bet for like best gourmet pizza like way back in the whatever years. Like because we've received that recognition like we really hold ourselves like we have really good pizza and i mean like i'm a little biased but at the same time like i've had a lot in the area and we really do have some of the best pizza just in term it's and it's it just comes down it comes down to the recipe but it also comes down to the consistency and how we keep how we hold like what we do to hold that consistency like the process and the system and everything that we follow being responsible i feel like between everything that was the responsibilities absolute absolutely that's what keeps it consistent like Like the business has stayed alive because you have certain roles you have the you have the roles of the front you have the roles of the back and as long as those people are holding those roles properly that business is going to thrive and that's what that's what we've been able to do that's where so that's where i feel like you do have to lock in those roles for your employees you have to tell them like i need this from you and this from you and this from you but i feel in that you can't lay it all on you have to have how i can say a specialization Mm -hmm. you have everybody has their role that's what you know you're good at you've kind of found your place in but you're not always going to be there so in a good business or in a functioning business that I've seen is everybody has to be able to do everything. Like you have your role, the thing that's your first priority, but if you need to clean dishes, you need to clean dishes. If you need to go answer the phones, you need to go answer the phones. Like, because the fact of it is, is that other person's not always going to be there. So sometimes your roles will change. Sometimes you'll take on extra roles. Some, you know what I mean? Like in a good business, you need to be able to know how to do every role. And what you see a lot is where, people on the higher up won't teach people their roles for the simple fact they don't want their roles taken away from them. And you stifle yourself because when you're sick or you're not gone, no one else can do your role and your business fails. Yeah. They need you, but your business is going to suffer for it. Mm -hmm. And depending, depending on the business, like it could be, it could be a role that because you did not hold that responsibility that responsibility was not held. And as a prime example, on like I'm the weekend daily, I'm the weekend driver for the business. If I call in at the current point, we don't have like a reserve driver and none of them at the restaurant take the responsibility on themselves to be the driver because they can't the backup if they if they were if they were to exactly it would take one person away from the operation where they already need people to do the operation for at least the people that are coming into the restaurant the people that are calling in asking for for us to come to them like it's unfortunate we have to say unfortunately we don't have a delivery driver for for today our delivery Mm. driver had to call in sick or what or whatever whatever they say if they just if they just like keep it at at what it is so and it's really made me feel terrible because now it's like I've been there under not the perfect, not perfect circumstances. And I've been there under just feeling great under like almost almost perfect circumstances and like made a lot of money, made not a lot of money, had a lot of deliveries, had not very many deliveries. 
but at the same time, live the life of ups I've, and downs. It right? is what I have expect. It's what I've accepted. So, and that's where I'm just really trying to be a little bit more diligent to myself. Like I have to have a little bit more control on the days that are going into those shifts so that I can be the best person that I can be for that. So that I can help that business as much as I can. That's all we can do as employees. As long as we're treated the same in, in return. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, and, and, and at the, at the, and I think that's definitely, that definitely dictates part of it. Like because of the people that work there and how close we have become over this short period of time, like it really does feel like working with a family. Like, and you definitely feel like you have that support and it to a degree does not feel like work when I'm there. And I think that's why I had, don't have as much of an issue like doing whatever I can for, for this place because they're not asking me to do stuff that's like outrageously outside of my boundaries. Well, and they've also right. made you feel responsible. If they're your family, you're going to do everything in your power to make sure your family doesn't struggle. Absolutely. So making you feel responsible for the place you work about. There's so many places that don't make you feel responsible for where you work. You know what I mean? They make you just feel like a peon and someone who doesn't have any investment. But the fact that they make you feel like family, that's, that's not huge. Much better. What do you mean? You know, it may sound fun to not have any responsibilities, but I, I don't know. I get bored. I get bored. Right. It shows me you need I'm direction. replaceable. Absolutely, yes. man. And Give me like, direction. And I need something and, to do. Give me and a role. <laughs> and Crick, like, yes. yeah, I, <laughs> yes. I know, I know, like, you're, and, and like, that's like centered around, like, kind of like what you were wondering. Like, what if someone just doesn't know what they're doing? Like, what if someone doesn't know, like, what they're expected, what they should be doing? My question is that, and even a little bit more, because it's like, what are you when all those roles are stripped away? Roles are given to you for, by society for things that they need from you. We need someone to take care of this. We need someone to take care of these people. We need someone to do this. It's like, what role do you have when you're at home? What role do you have when you're on a walk in the middle of the woods and nobody needs you and your phone's away? What role are you then? You have like an invisible backpack for all these hats to put on. Right. I'm um, switching from this to this. Do you have- I talk to my nieces, hats, then I talk to my mom, hats. then I talk to the employees at my work because it's like, Exactly. It's a different hat I'm going to put on as camouflage. Not that I'm hiding who I am. It's a different version of myself. It's, it's yes. It's like putting in a certain CD. Right. Okay, mind, you have to work this way. Okay, mind, you have to work this Watch way. Watch your swear words. Talk a little more professional. You know what I mean? Like, yes. You know, like there's different it's, atmospheres. It's not being fake. It's just going about it the right way. There's a right way to handle different situations. Right. I'm not going right. to talk to my friends professional. Ways. They're going to be like, dude, why are you being so proper and using such big words? Exactly. Just talk and at to the us. same point, you're not going to talk to your employees like they're like your five-year-old nieces or something, you know? Right. Right. That's as not funny fair as that would be. That might only last for a little bit. Like mm -hmm. if you're just looking at if you're like, like, Hey, like, it might end like, with hey, you in the loony hey, bin. Sweetie, let me let you, let me, let, let me, let me give you some advice on what you could, what, what you could be doing or, or Hey honey, let me get your advice on what I could be doing with you this. Probably got another 50 years before you can get away with that. Hey pumpkin. <laughs> hey little dinosaur. Hey, I've there, had hey, there, hey there little dolphin. The worst part is that happens all the time in, in, in businesses where people don't understand your value and talk to you like belittle like that, where it's just like, okay, so what you're going to do here is this and, you know, sharpen the pencil and write on the paper. And it's like, I, I think I love, so don't you I'm, talk and, to me. 
Like, I've been kind of noticing this, like going through, like going through my training and going through trainings just in general at like other companies, how they really have to try to not necessarily dumb things down, but they have to simplify. And it has to be simple enough that like someone that has like a certain level of education would be able to understand. And then like, I guess like in certain cases, I guess, because I am like my education history, I do have my undergraduate not and then some some people may not have their undergraduate and some people may not have their GED. And then some people may not have even anything after that. But in terms of being a being able to do like a simple like a job that all you need to do is learn the process and then you can do that role. You can, you can, you can follow those responsibilities. You could break anything down into that And that's process, why a lot though, of these places, you? they have to at least start their work operations as like, make it easy enough for a five-year-old that they can do this. And then we own uh, the minimum age that we're going to employ someone to do this job is going to be anywhere from like 18 to 21, depending. So that's how manuals are written. How many times do you read the manual? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And do you read and then, the manual? And and you think you think you think about you think about that meme where where like instructions unclear, got my dick stuck in the ceiling fan. Right. If they make it too simple, I'm not, I'm blowing over it. I'm not. If if it's so, just like okay, I get the point. I'm just gonna go yeah, do it. Yeah, but at the same time, if they give you a novel, <laughs> right? You're not and gonna sit there and read the novel either. But if you give me pictures. Or if you give me a, a, a capacha or what, not capacha, what are the things where you like take a picture and it sends me to a video of how to do a it? A caption. Uh, uh, yes. A QR code. QR code. A link. A QR sure. code. Yeah. Yeah. QR, yes. Yeah. Yeah. QR so code. So if they give me a QR code that sends me to a tutorial video, for me, a visual learner, I'll watch your, your tutorial video, but I'm not reading your basic novel. Why not? You're the ones who made it. And your thick novel. But if you can, you know what I mean? It's like, just because you're making it simple for I've read the basic it can get past other people too. I've read the basic novels. They don't give you much information. No. You're, you're pictures, almost worse even off. Even just strictly pictures. Off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's like, put, wait, you didn't even give me that basic Yeah, no, more confused. Shape. Yeah. Like, I didn't even know that part was on this thing. Right. Right. <laughs> Where'd you find that? <laughs> or it's three different projects in the same manual and you have to figure out which yes. one yours out of it. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> um, this one girl that I, I, she came in recently to the dispensary, I found she's what really sparked this to me about roles and kind of the things that you got to set into because she has been playing violin since she was five years old. She's 22, 23 years old. She's a violin instructor at 22, 23 years old because she's been playing for 18 years. Makes sense. She wants to do something different. She's like, all I know is violin. All I'm good at it and I love it and I enjoy it. But all I've ever done is violin. And you could tell that it was like this inner battle with her, you know? And, and I was like, I was super excited for her. I was like, that's courageous as hell. Something that you've mastered. People like will pay a lot of money for you to do. But you're like, do I really love this? Is this my of all be all? Like, that's a huge question to ask yourself when you're already so good at one thing. And it's like, it is, you really have well, to assess the roles that we take on even further down the road. Even if it's like a role you took on now in three years, you need to readdress that role. And it's like, does that still, you know, associate with who I am? And I think to a degree, she's spent all this time 
mastering this art that she's now asking herself, what do I do next? Like, do I do like, I, like I can do this for the rest of my life and I can do this very easily for the rest of my life. She's mastered it. So what is she going to do now? That's actually going to pose a challenge to her. And that's right. where it's that's such thing. a scary thing to think about because you've had your focus on this one thing. Like I kind of think about that at times as, as, as well and think about like back when I was like bowling for as long as long as I was. Like if I would have stayed to bowling, if I would have bowled in college, if I would have been on a, if I would have like, I was on the bowling team in high school, if I would have kept it through college, how things would be different. If I'd be out there bowling almost every day like actually aspiring and trying to be a professional bowler. What's different from that than, than just go and do that. Why don't you go become a professional bowler now? Uh, I just don't feel like paying the money every day. <laughs> you still have to, you still have to, you, you have to pay the money to so bowl. So there you go. The so unless I then work you didn't have the money to pay I for can it. bowl for free per se or bowl at a discount. It's not a hundred percent feasible, but what I like my person, like me personally, because I've been doing it for so long and I've noticed this, like granted the date that I went on not too long ago. I mean, when you learn that I've been bowling since I was eight years old, I think that should tell you that I'm not going to be a terrible bowler. So, but you didn't let her win, did you? How can you, when she's throwing gutter balls every other one <laughs> so and you play left-handed like, you actually i, you actually I did but i still turn. got like seven plus pins i legitimately did like five frames in a row left-handed and like still i got like one and seven and one and like it just did you teach her what to do better yes and she didn't do anything oh well then i you can't help her so you don't want that's her. what i'm saying it's like <laughs> sorry it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like i don't want to it's like i don't want to say anything bad about her but at, like at that I, point like, she I'm didn't want to learn right I'm, exactly like and i, I or get you were it. the perfect like, teacher maybe like they, like there is and, and yeah, that could that could have been it as yeah. well i even though i feel like because i've done it for so long not the perfect teacher for her is what i'm saying not that you're not yes. a good teacher that you're not the perfect teacher for her and that could and 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 she might not have necessarily like agreed to go on this date to be taught something you know true so that's where i just thought of it as like it's not the right time and place so i just started like messing around like more granny shots more like stuff that like i don't care like, so you stepped out of your role. You stepped a, out of your role as little, this professional little, good bowler bit. kind of a sense. And and I and I I stepped out of this like to encompass from, somebody else. Out of this like focused bowler into like a doesn't really care per se bowler, except for I wasn't like disrespectful. Like I wasn't because like, you're just, trying like, to be a throwing good... a bunch of shit, you know. Because you weren't a bowler at that you're point. You were having a good time. You were a partner. Yes. You were a friend. You were a, yes. a companion at that point. You weren't a bowler. Yes. Your, your roles had changed. Because if you're a role, if you were a bowler and you reversed in somebody and they were good, your competitive side would have kicked in and you right. would have tried to beat their ass at it. You know what I mean? So it's something like, to that degree. Yeah. Roles aren't that brings up a good point that roles aren't so sedimentary. They're not so like you're not stuck in the roles that you're given, even in the same day. Like we change who we are consistently. You don't have to be it goes stuck back to that. You can take right. off the hats. You don't right. have to wear the hat all the time. Some because people at can, the, and at know. the end of the day, you control your destiny. You control the choices that you make. If you are in a role that you're unhappy with, learn on how to not be. Find what makes you happy. Like, like learn what you can do to 
capitalize on the role that you're in. And if it's, if it's like, and especially in terms of like fatherhood, like to each their own, I had a different mindset years ago. I have a different mindset now, but like someone that like impregnates a girl by accident and then runs at the responsibility as opposed to someone that embraces the responsibility to each, to each their own. Sometimes the timing is not right. Sometimes the situation's not right to each their own reason, reasons or reasons. But, that's but, if you're, but if you're one that embraces the responsibility, you have to understand the, the responsibility that you are embracing. And you can't blame that responsibility for your unhappiness because it's a choice that you consciously made. Correct. Because only made. your choices affect you. Even, even somebody else's actions, the way you choose to respond to those actions is your that, choice, right? Just being aware of the responsibility. I was, uh, I was going to say more, your choices affect more than just you. Correct. Yes. That's where it's, you have to, you know, people can pass it off as they don't know the responsibilities of a role, but if you have sex, there is a chance that you will get somebody pregnant and you're taking that, you know, risk by having sex. So you've already signed that contract where if you have a kid, you built on those responsibilities and you can't just say, Oh, I didn't mind. And no, you had sex. Like you've, you've, you've set the, the con- path in motion. The, co- the condom broke. She wasn't on the pill. Like, ex- like reasons are reasons. Excuses. excuses are excuses. Like things are legitimate. Things are you illegitimate. Had sex for pleasure, and now you have a kid. You guys, then, <laughs> you like, guys want to quote off. I've got but, a Greg but, special, but then, but then the fucking I mean, it could be going whatever way, but abortion is a thing. It is an option. The morning after pill is an option. There are options. There are alternatives. Like back in the traditional way where, or the traditional days where you got pregnant and you didn't have all of these options. And if you were in a Catholic family per se, abortion was not an option. That's where it was more of that forced role where I agreed to this consent and these are the results and I fully accept what these results are. But that's, that's, there's a spectrum to that. Cause that's just on the other side of some woman who has unprotected sex or couple who has unprotected sex all the time. And then just gets abortions as their means of contraceptive it goes both ways right yeah. what do you think was going to happen when you had sex it's like what's your extreme exactly you know mm-hmm. just, you just can't like diss the responsibilities because you said you didn't know what they were you know what i mean like there's the role that you have to set you know and speaking of fathers too like that's that's something that we've i feel we've changed in our see see change in our lifetimes the role of what a father is and that's i think something that you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. Like, I think you can do that with the rules that you're in too. Just because you don't like the rule that you're in doesn't always mean you need to change it or get out of it. You can set a standard yourself for what other people have to be responsible for in that role. So it's like, you know, and for fathers, like fathers were the breadwinner. You go home, you know, you go to work, you make the money, you come home, you do your thing, you pass out, go to work. You, they weren't really part of the family, you know, especially more in the fifties and sixties and stuff like that. But the role of what a father is and the role of what a father is in society has changed because we've changed it. We've changed what we say we need from a father and we've changed what like the fathers do, you know, to set that role. And it's because you have examples of 
the world's greatest fathers and the world's worst fathers, like fathers that completely manipulated their children or people that are fathers that didn't acknowledge their children's existence because they resented their children. And then the complete opposite spectrum where this father was fully invested in their child, fully invested in their well-being, fully invested in them being the best that they can be because they saw them as an extension as themselves. Right. And sometimes too much where they pamper them and treat them like they're this above and beyond where they have no humbleness. And then they treated that's, them too that's, much the, like they're that's the line. That's the you line know? that I feel like, and especially with today's day and age and all the opportunity that, that is available at our fingertips that our children will soon have at their fingertips as well, that we have to teach them how to, how to handle these responsibilities the sooner that we're a, that we're able to that we're able to teach them like what responsibility is then we can help them to understand how it affects them and how it affects the decisions that they make moving forward so you're not necessarily pampering your child but you're more guiding and you're more being that you're not you're not necessarily like I, like almost not even necessarily as far as guiding, but you're more just, you're that force behind your child. Like you're giving them the resources and you're allowing them to learn what they need to do and how these resources work. Right. You're hedging the odds in their favor for success. Well, you can't a little full, bit. You can't fully be their resources. Though, you're doing too, what you, you teach. You have to teach them yeah. how to seek out their own resources too. So I get what you're saying. It, it is guidance, and, and there's. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of like you're saying. There's. There's a better word for it all together, because it is. Like, too, you're not um, just their supplier. That you have to teach them how to supply themselves. They're their mentor. Right. Like right? yes, almost, but you don't want them to be just to like you because you're not perfect. You fucked up. You you don't want them to live your life. You know what I mean. So you don't want to mentor them and to get them to do the same thing. You just want to teach them some of the lessons. And that's where, that's where I think going back to what we was saying, where you've got the two different dynamics of parenting, but I think you also get different outcomes from that same style of parenting. Like, you know, there there are a ton of, God forget, abusive parents in the world, and depending on other situations, you know, some of the best and brightest people have come out of situations like that because mm -hmm. that's what they had to do to get away from it. Even like, siblings. That was their way to get rid of it. Yeah. Two different siblings. siblings. One could end up great. And like you said, you know, push above and beyond because they mm -hmm. don't want anything to do with that. And the other one could see that and fall directly in line be like, oh, this is how I interact with the mm -hmm. world and emulate exactly what they saw. So yeah, that's yep. very true. You know, it's what you do with the information at hand. And that's always curious because yes. like, where do you learn that? If like, you know, where do you learn how to process that information? And, I, and it's, it's, it's similar to, it's similar yeah. to a meme I saw online the other day on one of my, uh, one of my, one of the success pages that I follow on Instagram, that it was, um, instead of giving your child all of the things that you never had, teach them all of the information that you were never taught. I like that a lot. The things you say, man, it, I wish I would have yeah, known this when I was really younger. It really spoke to me. I was like, that's how you truly are invested in your, in your child's well-being, by teaching them the things that you wish you were taught when you were, there, when you were there, when you were their age, or even just teaching them the things that that's, and that's kind of, it goes back to if you introduce it to them earlier on, 
then they know how to handle it later as opposed to teaching it to them later on to where they won't know how to handle it because they won't have as much experience. Right. I, it goes but to then like there how, is, there how is that thin line lesson. of how early you, and how much responsibility you teach to these because these children are still children. I mean, you can't just overload your child with all these responsibilities and now they're no longer, they no longer get to enjoy their own childhood. Like, a, like don't get me wrong, a child, a child still needs a childhood. It's, but you can have little seeds that you plant in that childhood that those trees really grow as they grow. Right. It's, and that's, that's, that's exactly what it is. It's teaching them. Teach planting the seed, I think, is even almost a better word than teaching because you're giving them the opportunity, you're setting up the situation so they can learn the lesson. You know what I mean? You're not telling them, hey, if you plus A plus B, you get C. You're like, here's a project. You know, you give them a situation where they can get frustrated or learn the lesson in a one-to-one point, and then you talk them through it. Oh, how did it make you feel when that happened? How did mm-hmm. it make you feel when that? Because it's like you can also teach people that the world is a dangerous and scary place. You know what I mean? You can teach them, Hey, the world's a dangerous and scary place. You should be one of the better people to make it a better place or the world's a scary and dangerous place. You better watch your back and you better be, yes. yeah. And mm-hmm. like, you know, yes. be defensive and be, be one of those people so that you can get along in the world. And so you can teach, it's the same lesson, but what view are you teaching of it? You know what I mean? So that's where you gotta be careful to not, to show them the lesson, but not tell them how to live. You can't it. give like, such biased opinions. Right. Absolutely. And that's where you it just, it really comes, it's a thin line because like, and like you said, Kev, kids are sponges. They are absorbing everything that is happening around them. And especially things that they know, like there's going to be things that they see that they may have, they subconsciously ask about later on if they think about it. But things that they know what what are happening, they're really paying attention, especially when your children are paying attention to like the what you're doing in terms of your work. And then you're asking yourself, like, what if I do this? And they're like, no, you told yourself you shouldn't do this. And you're like, man, you are 100 percent right. Yeah, you are. You are. You are. You are 100 percent right. I can't. I didn't ask you. you. I want to be mad at you because you're not giving me the. You're, you're not letting me do what I want to do. That's where you have to be receptive that you can learn just as much as you teach them. You know what I mean? Like it's huge. They're, them learning that lesson is watching yourself learn the lesson. It's like when we watch ourselves draw over again, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you just think about the drawing after the fact and what you came up with. You don't think about your process, but when you see a mini me of yourself go through the process of you in anger or you in frustration or you in creativity, you're like, whoa, that's a whole thing. Mm -hmm. like it's a different perspective like growing up my dad was never scared to show his frustration with things that frustrated him and i've had i've learned other ways that i've had other friends that have talked about how their dad would show frustration or not show frustration and even reading books on like what they say on how like a level of frustration should be shown and a level should not like you don't want to explode in front of your children because you don't want you don't want your children to see you in that light per se because then they've seen what someone looks like in that light and then what they would look would look like in that light 
I mean, obviously, how to react. emotions are emotions. And I mean, anger can show grow and sadness can kids, grow. Kids literally know nothing, right? So that's them saying that. That's okay. So that's the right way to react to something like that. That's how I okay. Right. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a dangerous thing to got teach it. them, you know, like that's where manipulation comes in. That's where I feel like manipulation is taught, you know, because you'll always hear. And that's what I've happened with tons of my friends who are, I've found to be manipulators. Their parents are usually manipulators too. And it's their biggest issue with their parent mm-hmm. is how manipulative their parent is. But then you watch their same actions. It's because that's how they've been taught to interact with the world. That's how they've been taught to get things. I need something. And my, I've seen that if I manipulate that person, I can get what I need. I'm going to do that. Exactly. No, I because, don't know another and, way. And that's, what, and that's why a, lo- a lot of the times people will say, well, it's all, it's all I know. It's all my family knows because it's all we've ever done. Right. And then right. at the end of the day, back is to that, family trace is that the excuse See, that you lean on, that, you're, that you just dark you accept it as, oh, it's what has always been done. So there's no possible way anything else could be done. Or could you be that force that actually tries to do something differently? That's where I've gotten a lot of kickback on that because aggression is something in my family, like dominance, like instilling dominance by getting louder, right? Like instilling dominance to get louder, you know what I mean? And like to, to, to the old primal thing of get louder and get big to instill your point, like that's something the that loudest pushed. is the one whose point is heard, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something that was instilled in me as a kid. And, and for one, it made me feel like I had no say as a kid because I was always the quietest one in the room, you know what I mean? Like. But as I became adult, I still see that so much in society and I get into confrontations with people because I don't want to get into a yelling match. It doesn't, it doesn't make me feel good at all because it reminds me of that as a kid and how I felt. So I try to go around that and, you know, sit down and have conversations and I'm not good at it. I'm not perfect at always controlling my emotions and going into a conversation, but it's making that that choice to do that instead of getting emotional and going into the shouting match you know, and so many people are used to that. They don't know how to, how to not do that, how to not argue without just yelling at each other. And these are full grown mm-hmm. adults, you know, who can't speak with their, with their knowledge and information and battle with. And have a conversation without letting the emotions take over. Right. It doesn't. Yeah. And it's usually like, when it's, they run out of knowledge, when they run out of stuff to say, when they run out of actual words and value, it's just, okay, now I'm going to get loud. And then you see it every time. And there was a, there was a time not that, not not too long ago that I had a conversation with, with my roommate about how it would, how I was trying to give him advice on how to not necessarily have to include swear words in like, when he's like frustrated about something I have, and he, and I've noticed since, uh, since we've had that conversation, he's definitely, he's definitely like scaled, scaled it down. What I've also noticed is that at times I subconsciously am doing the same thing. And it's almost like I'm looking at myself as being a hypocrite for telling, for telling that, for telling, for telling him like he shouldn't be doing it. But then I go, I turn around and do something of the same, of the same level, but I'm doing it subconsciously. And it's not something that I'm even thinking about doing, but it, but because now we've had that conversation, I'm thinking about it more. Now I'm noticing it more. So I'm really, I'm trying to almost backpedal myself that I don't just want to be this person that swears like a sailor. Because, I mean, granted, that's how, like, a lot of the figures that we grew up with all had potty mouths, all swore like a sailor. It doesn't necessarily mean that we have to be that same way. Right. 
and, and that's what goes back to what Craig was saying. It's unlearning, right? Unlearning behavior. Yeah, it is yeah. to a it is to a level of unlearning. I want to say kudos on you too, because like that's that's a control and hypocrisy. That's a control and not preaching something that you can't hold yourself to. And that's a feel like a trait that not a lot of people have nowadays. Like people are so quick to judge others and tell each other how to live their lives, but they don't go back and look at how they're doing those same actions in their own. So I just, yeah, I just want to say kudos to you on that. Like that's mature. You learn some things as time go, as time goes on. And especially like I've seen points where like I've told, so I've tried to give, I've given someone advice on something. And then I've noticed that I turned around and did exactly the opposite of what I just gave that person the advice on. And I just, I, I look at my the advice for the situation. I look at myself in a mirror and as like, who are you and how do you like, what right do you have that you feel like you can give this advice if you can't even follow it yourself? You can't be was- too hard. Cause we talked about this before. Like it's a lesson. It's a lesson you're learning. You know, the lesson but you haven't yet mastered it. Like, you know what I mean? Like when preaching you, the lesson reiterates the lesson to yourself. If it makes sense to someone else, it makes sense to you. Right. Mm-hmm. It shows, yes, you, you do make sense. So now you have to start living that. If, if you're going to go get into pottery and build a clay bowl, some instructor could show you, Hey, this is physically how you make a clay bowl. And they could tell you this is how much clay you need and all this, you know what it takes to make a clay bowl. How long is it going to take you? How many attempts is it going to take you to make a good clay bowl? You know what I mean? You know how to do it. You know the whole process, but you need to learn it. You need to master yeah. it. You need to actually get the concept. So it's like, we can't be, the fact that you realize it is huge. You know what I mean? The fact that you realize those lessons is grand and that you can actually like check yourself against the them. fact, the fact that a, you realizing that you're a hypocrite because I do the same thing. Except I just write mine down in journals and never reread it. I wrote it down; it's good enough. Maybe that's my problem. And then B, I, do, I don't, I don't write these, I don't write these things down, so they just stay as thoughts that just popcorn in my head. We all have our medium. You, you shared yours with someone, so that made it memorable. But that's what it is, you know. And then when you do it and you catch yourself, that's you, that's your brain. Okay, click. The gears are turning. Okay, don't do that. I literally just said, don't do that. <laughs> I feel like a hypocrite. I'm going to stop doing that. So next time you do it, maybe you stop right before you do it. And then next time it's like, why would that even pop in my head? And then all of a sudden it's not even a choice anymore. You know, you build yourself up, you train your brain. That's where I feel like it's dealing with. A Absolutely. It's like, you know, better. I, I know you know better, but you're continuing the same actions. And it's like, yes. we, we just talked about this like five minutes ago, we had this conversation and then you did it. And it's like, mm-hmm. And it's really can't be too hard. It's like where none of us are perfect, but the fact, you know, it's training your brain, those new habits. That's where it's like writing a note. Like if you're trying to learn something, you put a note in that room that just says one word that clicks in your mind every time. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's right. Like you have to reprogram that new habit in your brain. I I think that's the biggest part too, is you hit nail on the head is we're not perfect, but how many people act like they are perfect and their way is perfect and there's no way they no way that they would do it wrong for perfection yeah yeah you know and i mean striving for perfection is fine but don't assume that your way is the end all don't assume but no you'll never make it there. don't dismiss what i'm doing yes don't dismiss what i said but it's not yes i think at a point 
you come to realize and you come to accept that perfection is a metaphor. It is not physical and it is not possible, but it is what you strive because at the end of the day, you want everything to be amazing. You want everything to be 125,000% perfection, infinity, whatever. You're going to work your best. And at the end of the day, you're going to have the result right. from putting in the most that you can put in. And, and whatever, you, whatever that result is, you accept that result. If it's a result that you didn't like, learn why you learn why it happened and from the reasons that you don't like it and how it won't happen for the future. Right. Even if you perfect it to the point where you think it's close to perfect, someone else could look at it and say, that needs a lot more. That needs a lot less. You know what I mean? Like that's what we got to understand about mm -hmm. that concept of perfection too. It's like, it is your own personal conception of perception perception, or per, or own, concept, yes. yeah mm -hmm. perfection it's your own perception yeah you know perception it's like what do you perfection. see as perfect when are you happy you know what i mean that's what we got really got. it's like when when is it enough when is everything enough when is a project enough you know and it's and you can't stifle it too much because it's like even with this podcast you know it's like i don't want perfection but i also want to give it enough of my effort where i feel that i am you know what i mean I'm not short, short selling myself. I'm and not. It's, it's because it's a responsibility that you, that you feel towards yourself. That right. you I don't want to let myself down that or you guys, you, but also like myself. You physically like, feel invested to the level that you want to do as much as you possibly can. And you don't want to short sell. You don't want to be short sold. You don't want to walk away telling yourself, I didn't give my, I didn't give it a hundred percent. I didn't do as much as I could have. I could right. have done more. And that's where I feel like I've a lot. If this, I realized if this that fails, it fails at hundred percent power. Exactly. And absolutely. I, I felt like I was, Maximum the reason a lot impact. of my problems came from is like, I was, I wasn't happy with my projects that I was doing, but I was also given my reason why I couldn't give them my full energy. You know what I mean? And like, you're, I wasn't giving myself fully into things that I did. And it's like, that on its own is a depressing state where it's like, you're not me. You're not reaching your own potential to yourself. You know what I mean? And like for the role, like an apology with a, butt. yeah, a little, a little bit. It's almost, it's, it almost goes back to like, I think it was a couple episodes ago where you, where you had asked um, if you feel like you are utilizing your time as best as you pass, as best as you possibly can. And at the, at the end of the day, we're all given, X amount of time per day, and we have X responsibilities in the in that day. And at the end of the day, majority of those responsibilities, if they needed to be done, hopefully they are. And if it's the opposite, then that question you have to ask yourself is why. Well, even exactly. What? You got more to write about, more questions to ask. And then yeah. learn from that why. Nothing got done. What can I do to do it? Exactly. Learn well, what from that did, why so you're not asking why again. I, I had this conversation with you the other day, Kev, um, about this, something I realized in myself. It's like sometimes you start a project for your day or you have like a list of projects for your day and you go to attack them and you accomplish maybe two out of the five, but you accomplish three other tasks that you had to do to get some of the other tasks done. So it's like you... You may not have got everything done on your list, but you got a lot more than you even planned on in the first place getting done because you didn't yes. know the full yeah, 
object at hand. That's that's where you can't use that as the end all solve all, right? Like that's your your guiding line, your list. This is what I want right. to get done today. And then at the end that's of the day, me. you have you compare that to a new list of what you actually accomplish because you may only check off one or two boxes from your list, but all of a sudden you've got 50 new boxes on your other list stacked right. up all checked off already because that's what it took to check off those two boxes. That's where I think some of those, the responsibilities of roles after you've lived them so long, just become second nature to the fact that you forget that you're mm-hmm. even doing them because they're just expected of you and you expect them of yourself. So you're expending that energy to fulfill this role that you don't even give yourself credit for anymore. But yeah, people still really value that role. And it's, it's, it's what I'll tell people like, and especially like going through like different training classes, like we're going to do it once, twice, three times, and then it'll be second nature. Right. It's just getting your routine. That's where you need, that's where it's Mm -hmm. companies hold themselves responsible for their roles as management to give you that structure, to give you that, to give you your roles and dish them out appropriately and see people's potential and put them in the places that they need to be like, hold yourself responsible. You know what I mean? On every level. Absolutely. They can give you the keys to the race car. They can put you on the race track and then it's up to you to, drive the car properly on that racetrack and not do a bunch of wicked donuts and spin it out into a wicked like fire spin. You got to choose to be the driver. Are you a driver or are you just, you know what I mean? Like, what are you in that moment? Exactly. Okay. Got to choose the roles that make you happy, right? You got to choose the responsibilities that make you happy and that will help you fall into the role that you, you want to do. Do you, because if you're doing a role, if you're in a role that you're unhappy with, you are not going to perform well at your responsibilities. Right. Realistically, if your heart's not the role for you, your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. Or how journeys used to say it was, uh, is this the right person for this job? And is this the right job for this person? You know what I mean? Are we mm-hmm. going to be happy with them? Or are they going to be happy with us? And mm-hmm. that was something I was like, I never heard anything like that from a company before. That's huge. Um, I have been, I haven't necessarily heard it, but I've seen it a lot more. Yeah. And especially with a lot of these positions that literally anyone that knows how to type on a keyboard can do these positions that all it is is you're like you're not an individual you're a number right if you're okay with that you're okay with that play ball work for that company for x amount is however however long you need if you're not okay with that you're not okay with that and that's up to you to do something but if you're not because they don't care exactly you're not okay with that right and if you're not okay with that it doesn't give you the right to complain about it if you're not going to do anything to change that. No, because no one's going to listen. The choice is yours. It's your responsibility. Your happiness is your responsibility. Right. Your and, role is to find your happiness. What makes you happy? And people argue that they're like, well, when you have responsibilities, you can't make certain decisions. And I say that when you have responsibilities, you know how to make certain decisions. Like at the end of the day, a father is going to hold a job to support their family. If they're in a position that they're unhappy, then utilize the time that you're not in that position to find a thing that you're happy doing. Like don't, 
at the end of the, at, because of all the opportunity that we have available, don't feel like you're restricted to doing something and fulfilling a role that you don't want to fulfill. And that's where though you have to, there's plenty that's of people ingrained in us. but that's the thing though, is, is you have to, you have to unlearn that because we're ingrained in society, you know, stay in your lane, do what you're taught. Like it's, you can't change positions. You can't go change your mind halfway through your life when most adults already do. We get taught that you're pretty much set in your ways and you've created a path for yourself. And it's you better true. find out what you want to do. Because you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. No, I think anybody, if you want, whoever the fuck you are, if you want to start doing something, you can change your situation. It might be hard. It might be harder for different people switching from one situation for another. But if you fucking want something enough, I think anybody can dedicate enough energy to, in some form, have that thing that they want. I in agree. Some nothing in life has ever got easy. Nothing no like matter what. Even, matter what if, even if you have restrictions, if you, put as, if you put enough creative energy into overcoming your restriction – be the patient. Human, the human Patience brain is, is a very powerful object and a very powerful tool. Right. And there are seven people, years. That's it. Seven there are years people to that something. don't have arms that use their feet in full capacity that they could use their hands. Yep. There are people that don't and have legs else. that can use their arms in almost full capacity that they could use their legs. Today's Tell me what I can do. <laughs> the technological advances, it's all mindset. It is. It, it, oh, that's, that's, I literally read this. This is the thing I was reading to you beforehand. It was about your mind. That is the battle. That is the battle you run into in every project that you have is your mind. It's the biggest mm -hmm. battle. It's that's your arch enemy. That's the person who stops you in your tracks because anybody else can throw stuff at you. And if you're passionate enough, you're going to do it no matter fucking what. But if you don't care enough, or if you don't make yourself care enough, then you're never going to do it no matter how much no matter how many, like if everybody gives you everything that you need to do it, you're still not going to get it done unless you give a fuck. Like your mind is the biggest obstacle you will ever fight. In my opinion. Absolutely. It comes down to understanding how to control our own minds and understanding that we do have that control to control our own minds. Because there's right. going to be people that they're like, oh, but th th there's some things that are just completely outside of your control. Control is just mindset. Right. And sometimes it's not it instant. Is. You can't tell yourself to change your mind and that's how it is. It's program. You have to reprogram your mind, train it new, you know, things that entertain it and activate it. And, you know, it takes time. You're reprogramming 20 process. plus years. Yeah. Like you have to you have to dedicate to yourself and give a fuck and want to change. And you have to care <laughs> at the end of the day, you have, like you have to want it and you have to care. Yeah. So what we've learned is that responsibilities come with expectations and with these ex expectations come the outline of how these roles are expected to be held and what is to be held during the with the person in these roles and are these roles as dictated as we're are the roles that we're given as ingrained as we think they are or do you have more influence controls over the responsibilities of the roles that you have I fucked it all up I don't even know what I'm saying man I'm just like let me talk in gibberish <laughs> I'm just like wait a minute um and Let's if see. you're in a role that makes you unhappy, what reason do you have to stay there? Okay. 
are the roles that we're given as defined as we normally see them? Or do we have more influence over them than we originally think? It's all right. Use my first one. It was a lot better. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna... It's all right. We're good. We're good. We are good. Discord. I'm going to go smoke something about it. All right.